Law Nation, welcome to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast, the best place for learning about the world of alternative passive investments so that you can have more freedom, flexibility, and fun. Now, if you're ready to live life on your own terms, start by going to attorneybydesign.com to download the Freedom Blueprint. This will also get you access to opportunities to partner with us on one of our next passive real estate investments. We'd love to get you on board and help you on your way to financial freedom. All right, today we're gonna jump into a brand new topic, one that's close to my heart though, and that is called franchising. Now, I've mentioned investing in businesses and starting side hustles before, but franchising, at least in my opinion, is one of the easiest and best ways to get started. Personally, I own and operate two burn boot camp franchises here in sunny San Diego with my wife, who runs the day to day. Without her, it wouldn't be possible. Um, it is a little bit more hands on up front, and then eventually it can be a little bit more passive. So if you have some help, um, a wife or a business partner who can help you out with that, that always goes a long way. Burn Bootcamp is a boutique fitness franchise with over 300 locations open across the nation. While the businesses, these businesses that I have, they're certainly, again, they're not passive, at least not for my wife. And they soon will be, though, once we reach a certain threshold of scale. However, there are an endless number of franchises you can get involved in, widely differing in passivity, from gyms to laundromats to hair salons, restaurants, and automotive shops. The list goes on. Everything that you can think of and everything that you can't think of, there's, there's a franchise for it. There's, a, there's so many of these things out there. Franchises offer the idea of, really, it's, it's a business in a box. Typically, the branding, marketing systems, roadmap to scale, everything. It, it's already laid out for you. Of course, you pay for that through an upfront franchise fee plus royalties um, as you earn. But in my opinion, it's totally worth it. The likelihood of success is exponentially higher when, you, when you're starting a franchise rather than starting from scratch. And I'm all about risk mitigation and preserving wealth. And that doesn't mean the upside isn't there. For a real-world example, we're aiming to bring in over a million dollars in revenue this year at just one of our burn boot camp locations at 35 to 40% profit margins and the ability to rinse and repeat with many locations. Uh, well, you can just do the math there and see what that annual cash flow might look like. Franchises could offer a quicker path to financial freedom for those with capital or those that are open to a little creative financing. That quicker path could also provide an escape route uh, to those of you out there who are looking to exit the profession a little sooner rather than later. And our guest of honor today is one of the top franchise consultants in the entire country. Kim Daly has spent the last 20 years helping people achieve financial freedom by enabling them to find the perfect franchise opportunities. Her skill for matching a client's background, interests, skills, finances, and life goals to the ideal opportunity has made her one of the top consultants in the country. Today, we are here to pick her brain and gain some insight into this seemingly daunting process, deciding on the perfect franchise to enable you to gain your financial freedom. All right, 
Let's get after it. This is the Passive Income Attorney Podcast, where you'll discover the secrets and strategies of the ultra-wealthy on how they build streams of passive income to give them the freedom we all want. Attorney Seth Bradley will help you end the cycle of trading your time for money so you can make money while you sleep. Start living the good life on your own terms. Now, here's your host, Seth Bradley. Kim Daly, how's it going? Welcome to the show. Thank you, Seth. It's nice to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So happy to have you on. Um, let's just dive right in. You know, tell the listeners a little bit about your background and what your story. Take it back as, as far as you'd like. Okay, so I am a franchise consultant. What the heck does that mean? But I help people explore franchise opportunities. So I've spent the last 19 years, almost 20 years, helping people realize their dreams by teaching them about franchise ownership, what's the real value proposition in a franchise partnership, how to select the right business, how to finance that business. I take them through a due diligence process so they can know they're asking the right questions, talking to the right people, challenge their thinking. So ultimately they can feel confident in their final decision. And I've been doing that for, like I said, almost 20 years now. Awesome. Awesome. How, how did you originally get into that? So yeah, it's not like I woke up and was like, oh, let's go be a franchise consultant. Like most people don't even know what that is, right? I didn't either. So I, I was a nutritional biochemist headed to med school. I answered a classified ad in the newspaper and it literally changed my life. Um, but not really, because when I was little, when I was like a teenager, the what I really wanted to be, I grew up in the Miss America pageant organization set. Like I competed. I, I just, I always wanted a microphone. I always wanted to be like doing some sort of talent show. Um, so, you know, pageants were a great way to like, you know, have an audience and, you know, improve your talent and do speech competitions and all of that. So I really wanted to be a motivational speaker. And um, anyway, but how does one do that? Right. So I was a straight A student. I'm going to go to medical school. I'm going to help people by being a doctor. Anyway, answered a classified ad in the newspaper for a franchise consulting job, not the company I'm part of now. And it literally deviated my life, or so I thought, only to wake up, I don't know, maybe about 10 years ago and say to myself, oh my gosh, look at me. I mean, I'm like motivating people to live their best life, which is what I really wanted to do when I was a little girl. So it all ended up like exactly where I was supposed to be. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I actually, I went to med school for about two weeks, well, a year and two weeks before I dropped out. So I got a little bit further than you did, but that's actually a good thing for you because you figured it out before you actually made that commitment all the way. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, at this point in my life, I'm a naturopathic girl. I use holistic medicine or tinctures and herbs. And if I had gone to medical school, I probably would have had to go back to naturopathic school or like I'd really old I'd love to have a master's in acupuncture like I just think acupuncture is like the coolest science ever so anyway I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have survived in the medical degree world <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well you're helping people in other ways now it sounds like you've always kind of had that entrepreneurship blood in you and, and we always like to talk about inflection points when people kind of get that realization when they want to um, you know, start a side hustle or start a franchise or start investing in real estate or something like that. Did you ever have one of those or were you just kind of innately born with it? So that's a really fun question. So, okay. My dad would say that I've always been the boss of Kim. Like since I was two years old, Kim was the boss of Kim. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I would say that I 
I worked for that company for three years. It was a sales job. It, it, it was a part-time job that ended up turning into the guy offered me a full, the owner of the company offered me a full-time position for one year. And uh, I obviously took it and never turned back. And, um, but I knew from day one of working for somebody in sort of like a quote, nine to five, you know, job where you were like in a cube, like there was a better way for Kim. Like, I remember going home to my father and being like, you've done this for like 30 years or whatever. Like, how do you do it? Like I, I needed freedom from that. So I ended up working for him for three years. And then at 25 years old, I left and became an entrepreneur. I started my first business when I was 25 and I've never looked back today. I'm 49. I tell everybody I am completely unemployable. <laughs> um, but again, my dad would say that's probably always been true. Um, it just took me longer to figure it out. But yeah, I'll always be self-employed. I'm and, and, and through the pandemic and watching what people do together collaboratively and leadership that just was unbelievable, unprecedented leadership by my franchisor friends. I know that all the businesses I own in the future will always be tied to franchising just because together we are better. And when you have people beside you to help you work through problems, the value of that is like endless compared to an entrepreneur. I mean, we need entrepreneurs because we would never have franchises if like every, every franchise once was an entrepreneurial startup business, right? So we need startup businesses, but, um, the, 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 pet, the idea that somebody else has sort of like, you know, figured it out and is, can hand you that, that proven playbook and you can avoid sort of like all those like startup mistakes and kind of get right into the point where you can start making money. There's tremendous value in that, but then there's really tremendous value in, um, working with other people to build a brand. So we're all, um, individual business owners. We work for ourselves but not by ourselves in franchising. Yeah, yeah. Let's expound on that a little bit. You know, what makes franchising a better business model, in your opinion, than starting something from scratch? Yeah, so, and I, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily that it's better. It's just different, used for different purposes. So the average person, let's, let's break it apart. Like if you want to be an entrepreneur, the first thing you need an idea. <laughs> right. So therein lies the first problem, right? So, okay. Let's say that you don't have an idea. Like I want to own a business, but I don't know what I would do. I don't know. You know, so you can come to the idea of a franchise with no industry experience, no idea. You can meet a consultant like me who will just get to know you personally, professionally, and financially, and I'll bring you the ideas. The majority of my candidates end up investing in, in the majority of my candidates end up investing in franchise businesses that prior to meeting me, they knew nothing about, they never would have thought about on their own, you know, but they are so excited about their future because I'm aligning the characteristics of the business to the candidate's goals and vision and what they want to wake up and do the role that they want to play in the business as an owner. So, so many people who think about franchising they think about like, well, what does my community need? Or maybe a UPS store, or they think about a hobby. Worse yet, you know, I love to work out, so I should only consider fitness franchises. But no, when we can break that apart, like what is it about the gym environment that you like? It's a positive life-giving environment where, you know, you can build relationships with people. If you're a personal trainer, you can, you know, transform somebody's life. Well, 
I can take those general characteristics from my first love, the gym, and apply that to the role that I play as a franchise consultant. And it's a perfect match. You know, only we're talking about investing in businesses versus fitness and nutrition, but that's okay. Cause I've been an entrepreneur for five years. I've been a franchisee now for the last 19 years. So I can talk about that too. You, so you see how we can make that correlation. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the other key questions you ask your clients when you're trying to figure out exactly what, what that fit is? Because they probably have an idea in their mind, like, Hey, I want to open a, a burn boot camp, or I want to open, you know, what, what, a laundromat or whatever it might be. How do you kind of get them to let go a little bit, ask the right questions, and then get them to the point where, you know, you, you can suggest something that is probably in line with what their interests and their future goals are. Yeah. So how do you get people to open their mind is the question. <laughs> so, yeah. So it takes practice, but yeah. um, the, 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 one of the most important things that um, I want to know about a candidate really is what are you trying to achieve through the business? That question alone will make an investor step back, especially if they've been more focused on the hobby or the widget of the business. I'm like, no, no, zoom out and tell me, what are you trying to achieve through the business? Because ultimately a business is just a vehicle that's going to drive your life personally, professionally, and financially to a new place. So really the more clearly you can identify what that new place is when you want to get there and the kind of style that you want to ride in, you know, are we cruising in the middle lane on the highway in a suburban going 50 miles an hour? Are we in the fast lane on the back of a motorcycle with no helmet? You know, one could be a super sexy, trendy, fun ride, but might not have a lot of sustainability. Doesn't mean you can't make a lot of money in a short term. And then the other may be something like a laundromat that's just a little bit more stable and steady and easy going, never really going to like have a high, but never really going to have a low. And there's a different path for each investor and we measure your risk tolerance. And so we talk about your vision and your goals a lot up front. And uh, before I do anything, because if I can understand what they're trying to achieve through the business, selecting the right business becomes like so easy for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So a lot of our listeners are attorneys or doctors, and they're not necessarily ready to just quit all at once. So they don't have a ton of time on their hands. What might you suggest for them to get started? What, what types of love franchises? It. I love that question, Seth. So in a franchise business, here's another advantage of a franchise over entrepreneurship. So if an entrepreneur was to go start their own business, they're typically going to build a business where they are the center of influence in their business. So they're sort of working in it rather than on it, right? And sometimes entrepreneurs get trapped there. Like they can't really figure out how to scale their business because their business relies on them. And in fact, that happens a lot with professionals, dentists and doctors and attorneys, right? You want to build a firm, but you're the reason that people want to, you know, come to that firm. So in a franchise business, we, I can take your general business skills and apply you as the CEO of your organization working on it with part-time hours where we'll, we'll hire to the experience of the business. So you'll hire an experienced manager to work in your business and you as the owner get to work on it. And that type of ownership is what we call semi-absentee owner. And that would allow a W-2 employee to keep one foot in the job and stable income and, and, and one foot 
in their financial future. And then over time, when the business can afford them or they're confident that it's stable, then they can transition fully. But the cool thing about that, Seth, is if you spend, let's say, two or three years building a semi-absentee business, so that's like maybe 10 to 20 hours a week based on your leadership style and skills and, and your ability to leave it alone. <laughs> so that's that's the main thing when we talk about, well, how many hours do semi-absentee owners put in? I'm like, look, if you're a great leader and you trust your people, you can put in 10 hours a week, right? But then some people, no matter how much they trust their leadership, if their money is in it, they want their mouth in it. They're in it every day, you know? It's right. supposed to be semi-absent, but they can't leave it alone. But so um, we can, the semi-absentee owner then, when they leave their, when the business can't afford them and they can break free from their corporate job or what they were doing in the past, they've really now set up their life with options. It's because you're not going to step into this business that was working without you and go work in it, right? You So now you can be semi-retired. You can come back to Kim Daly and we'll find you another business. You can take that business and start to scale it to even more units than you maybe have at that time. So you'll have the freedom to decide what you want to do next. And, and that's really what I'm about is helping people, number one, find freedom. I always tell people, I am not selling franchising. I am selling freedom. That's what everybody wants. The human soul wants to be free. And whether that is, def it's defined in different ways by different people, but that's ultimately, we're just using franchising, the proven playbook of a franchise to help buy down the learning curve of starting a business and partnering yourself with people who can be there to mentor and train you and support you. We're using that as the way to get to what we all want, which is freedom, money, time, quality of life, however that's defined. Yeah. How do you define it? All of those. So I am absolutely a freedom junkie. Like that's, that's what, that's when I say I am unemployable. Like that's what I mean by that because my freedom has no price. Like there's no amount of money that somebody could offer me that I like. So for example, I'm building a YouTube channel. Um, and I have visions of where I want to take this YouTube channel. Like I have had a dream that I could spin this YouTube channel into like a literal, like reality TV show, like where we, we go into like franchise locations and we talk about to the owner about their journey of how they found the franchise. Like, I think it would be so interesting because so many people have so many misconceptions about franchising and what it is and how people get started and how much money it takes. So imagine a show where, you know, you could really learn from the person who did it, not from a consultant or franchisors trying to sell you something, but from the average franchisee guy that was an employee before, owned a different, an entrepreneurial business before, and now he's got three units of something or 10 units of something, right? And he's living his dream life. So I have this dream, but as I think through it and I know people on TV and I could probably pitch it, but like, I, I'm so free. Like, I don't even want to be owned by a network because in this day and age, you have to play by their politics or like say the things that they want you to say. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I want to be able to say how I feel and talk to people real, like what's real and honest and genuine, not like tote some like, you know, big line for some major TV network. You know what I mean? So yeah. I am all about freedom. Freedom for me is just the ability to wake up every day be totally in control of how I spend my time, 
totally in control of how much money I make based on how hard I'm willing to work and how, how, how much I'm willing to grow. Cause I firmly believe that when you become the person worthy of the million dollar business, or you become the person worthy of that goal that you're achieving, then you will achieve the goal, not the other way around. And I've proven that in my own life. So I think that's how I define freedom. I love it. That's perfect. That's what it's all about. Freedom, flexibility, and fun. Whether you're, you know, we're talking about investing or we're talking about real estate, we're talking about franchises. That's what it's, that's what you're chasing. You're chasing freedom. You're, you're trying to be free. You're trying to have that flexibility to have control over your time. And even in the gym, when I, when I owned the gym and I was a personal trainer, like it's still the same thing. Like, right. We work out out because we want our bodies to be free. I don't want to be encumbered. I don't want to be overweight. I don't want to have sore joints or not be able to bend over without hurting my back. I go to the gym and I'm disciplined to eat well and work out because ultimately it's all about freedom, freedom to be able to ski and keep up with my teenage kids or go out for a run. If it's a beautiful day and I live at the beach and I want to take a run, right? It's, it's all definitions of feeling free. And there's yeah. always a price to that freedom. It's just, are you willing to pay the price? And that doesn't have to be sacrifice and martyrdom. It can be excitement and a journey and an, you know, an amazing process. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's jump back into franchising a little bit. What are some of the options? I think a lot of people, they don't even know, like maybe they think about, I don't know, the first thing that I thought before I got into it was like a McDonald's or a Chick-fil-A or, you know, restaurants. That's kind of the first thing that I thought of. What, what are some of the other options that are out there? Because I think uh, you can present, you know, all these different options that other people didn't even realize they were, they were available. Uh, so as one of America's top consultants, like you would have to beg me to show you food. <laughs> I, in 20 years, I've probably placed less than a dozen people into food-based businesses. Ironically, the people that have have, have food backgrounds are the easiest people to talk out of food because <laughs> they know how hard it is. It's sort of like the easiest person to sell on the value of a franchise is a former entrepreneur. <laughs> so, so yeah, there are all kinds of industries in franchising. Um, I particularly love service. I love service with a human element that can't be, you know, something that can't be sold on Amazon or you're not going to be competing against some big giant retailer. Um, but like, so some brands that you may know, so, uh, we, we like an executive recruiting company or a staffing company, like express pros, the fourth largest staffing company in the world. That's a franchise, um, Meineke automotive shop. That's a franchise. Um, we have nannying services that deliver. It's actually a high tech company. It's all over an app. Um, it was purchased by bright horizons, which is like the largest company in the country that delivers caregivers for working moms. Um, this guy that started this franchise we, was able to sell his intellectual property to Bright Horizons, and they combined their network of all of these corporations and their HR departments with the technology to deliver on-demand babysitter or nanny. Awesome opportunity. Tutoring services. So many franchises that cater to extracurriculars for children. Then you have senior care businesses, right? Catering to our aging population, whether it be in-home care or um, companion care or transportation services, or just all, there's all kinds of service-based businesses for children, seniors. Um, then you have your beauty brands, because us women, you know, we're going to spend money on ourselves. Those, those are always evergreen, right? Those are long-term sustainable brands. I have some amazing stories on Kim Daily TV 
post-COVID in July and August of 2020, as we were starting to reopen and, you know, places like the Lash Lounge, you'd think, wow, we're, did they really reopen and like have like record breaking months? Like, how is that even possible? And they did. And uh, I interviewed the CEO to find out why. Um, you have to go to Kim Daily TV to check that out. But yeah, so, but beauty brands, um, for whether it's hair or nails or skincare, like membership for facials, then we have massage. So, I mean, but then there are professional services. There are companies that are B2B franchises that you and I as consumers would never know about because they're, they don't need big consumer brands. The business that's going to say yes to that product or service gets to know, like, and trust a salesperson, AKA a franchisee, right? And mm -hmm. so any kind of product or service that caters to a business, I'm, I promise you, if there's a business for it, there's probably a franchise of it. <laughs> yeah, um, out of all those options, what are some of the more, let's say passive or the more semi-absentee than others? Okay. So that's a really great question. So when I work with a candidate, um, the first thing I do is explain to people what your money buys. And ultimately, Seth, money and time are inversely related. So the lower the investment in a franchise, the higher the time commitment required by the owner. So when you're, if we flip that and we'll go to the extreme example of like self-storage, right? So that's going to be an extreme flip of money for time. So people that own self-storage are now working in self-storage, right? That's less than five hours a week for an owner, but it could be a five, 10, $15 million build out, right? So you mentioned a laundromat. I love laundromat for my semi-absent to absentee investors. And I see absentee sort of like tripping over it a little bit. A business is never going to be absentee. A business needs a leader, a leader with a vision. So we can have businesses like a laundromat that don't really require a day-to-day -day effort by an owner for it to go, but they still require some effort by the owner to go. So there are, there are, and there are businesses that go all the way down to like five hours a week. That's kind of the minimum time commitment, I think, in a franchise for that sort of semi-absent to quote absent owner. Sure. Sure. What are some, walk me maybe through the typical life cycle of a franchise. I think a lot of people, they think once they get in, how are they going to get out? You know, and, yeah. and that kind of scares them away from even getting started. So what does that life cycle look like? And I'm actually curious for my own business as well. <laughs> I love that question. So again, as we talk about your vision, when we first get started, then we're equally, equally going to talk about your exit strategy. So we have to begin with the end in mind. And I find a lot of people have this idea that if the business isn't going to make it for 10 years, it's not worth it. You know, or, hey, if I want to build a legacy for my kids, I need something that's long-term sustainable. And I feel like that type of a discussion is just too weighty of a decision that you're trying with today's knowledge to decide if the investment you're making in a franchise will still have hold value in 15 years. Like it's sort of outdated thinking to me, that's the equivalent of me raising my teenage boys to go to college and then go find a job and work for that company for 30 years until you can retire with a pension. Like that, that life doesn't exist anymore, you know? So I think that I coach people down from big 
you know, long-term sustaining, it's got to work for 20 years or it's no good to five to seven years. Let's get in five to seven years and a franchise is an asset. It's your asset to sell. So if you get into a pioneering brand and let's say that it takes about seven years for the brand to really kind of hit every major market in the country. And now all the, like an Orange Theory fitness, right? Remember when the whole world woke up and everybody wanted an Orange Theory? Like that was so five years ago for franchising. There was no good territory left for Orange Theory. So like, but how do you learn about those opportunities before they're sold out everywhere? That's where I come in. But so when the world wakes up and everybody wants one, that's the peak moment in a franchise to exit for some multiple. And that's probably going to be the highest multiple that that business will be worth. So like Massage Envy had a moment like that too, right? Because Massage Envy created a membership for massage. So in the beginning, we were all like, what does that even buy you, right? Now we all have one. But as the world woke up and more and more people were going in for membership massage, there was a moment before the competition flooded the market where Massage Envy had a lot of value and the owners. So now the members were like, hey, how do I buy one of these? And there weren't any more territories. So then the owner could say, well, you can take mine, pay me a six multiple and I'll go away. So that is what I'm talking about, right? So when, I, when I'm talking to somebody, I wanna know like, what's your exit strategy? And it's totally fine to wanna build a legacy for your kids, but I'm like, look, let the legacy be that you dared to chase your dream and become a business owner. Because when you become a business owner, the conversation at the dinner table goes from, you know, wages and bonuses to, you know, um, cash flow and equity, you know, and that kid gets to come into the business and maybe be an employee for you in your business. And that changes everything for that child. Let that be the legacy, right? Versus the actual business that you hand down. And if you happen to get into a business like painting houses or garage doors, you know, service or something like that. And those are franchises. And it's something you can pass down because 15 years from now, garage doors still need to be serviced. Then that's great. But if you go in with this lighter, like five to seven or 10 year time frame, and you get there and you're like, no, I'm having the time of my life. I don't want to sell it. It's still a win in your head. If you go in five to seven years and then you're like, you know what, this is harder than I thought it was going to be, or it's just not really what I want it to be. And you decide you want to sell, it's still a win. So I think thinking about building to sell sets people up for a winning mindset, no matter where they end up, right? Versus the person who planned to do it for 20 years and that five years decides they want to get out. It feels a little bit like that may feel like a failure to somebody, sure. but it's not right. But in your mind, it would sort of feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. You've got to get the goals in mind and at least um, appreciate that that's an option to exit early. Even if you do maybe want to hold on to it for a long time. So it doesn't feel like a disappointment whenever you sell, it's actually a win. If you have a successful exit for a, a multiple of whatever it might be for that particular industry, that's a big win for you. That's a big windfall for you to start something, something new. Yeah. And if you are a pioneer who can jump into the beginning of the ride of a brand up, right? Some people don't have the risk tolerance for that. They'd rather jump into the curve once it's sort of, you know, it's already a thing, you know? 
Um, but if you can have that pioneering spirit to jump onto something and ride the wave up, like I said, that's typically where you'll have not only the most amount of opportunity to scale to multiple territories or multiple units because it's all green space, but then if the brand becomes the next big American brand where you will have the greatest exit strategy from that franchise. So I firmly believe build your franchise to sell it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And I, I love how you mentioned legacy and kind of on the job education for your kids because they don't get that from their traditional education. So you've got to get it somewhere. So if you get it from home, if you get it from, um, you know, seeing what your parents are doing, that's, that's incredible. And you know what? Do you have kids, Seth? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. <laughs> so I have two teenage boys and I'll tell you, like anybody who's listening to this, who has kids will laugh. Like our kids don't do what we say. They do what we do. So you want them to do something, be the role model, right? So that that's the real legacy. Whether you like it or not, when you watch what your kids do, you got to own it. <laughs> it's like looking in a mirror. You're like, ooh. Sometimes you're like, yes. And then sometimes you're like, ooh. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, what are some of, so you have tons of clients. You're one of the top uh, franchise consultants in the nation. What what are some of the changes, the positive changes you see from your clients as they kind of, you know, they've gotten a successful franchise off the ground and they've become financially free. They've been able to step away from their corporate job that they weren't happy in. You know, what are, what are some of those changes you've seen in them? It's so funny because at the end of it, it doesn't always seem to be so much about the money as it is about their pride in what they've built. I dared to do it. I dared to take a chance and look what I've created. Um, and if if it does happen to lead them down that financial path, and because they've you know taken the the plan and maximized it, and they're and they're living that financially free life, I mean, I would say that it's the same as it would be in anything else. I mean, these people are sending me lots of referrals. <laughs> these people are maybe coming back and looking for another investment because you know. Starting a business, we use like the diving board analogy, or I love the like jumping out of an airplane analogy. You know, the first time that you walk to the end of that diving board and look into the deep end of the pool, it's it's pretty scary, you know, and you need a coach. You need someone like the daily coach who can, who knows the path down the end of that, you know, the deck of the, of the diving board and who can help you take a nice comfortable bounce and know that there is a safety net in that pool when you jump you know, the first time you take that leap off the end of the diving board, it's a little bit scary, but what's the first thing that like a kid wants to do when he hits the water, swim to the side, get out of the pool, get back in line to go off the diving board. And the same thing happens in owning a business, right? It's typically like people start to dream even bigger, get a bigger vision for their um, net worth or for their life, where they now have a, a parent umbrella organization and multiple businesses underneath some that are active, some that are passive, right? Sort of just like a portfolio of stocks or a portfolio of real estate where you're diversified across multiple brands. Yeah. And it's a big mindset shift. Once you've kind of got that first one under your belt and you see the light and you feel kind of that entrepreneurship wave, you're like, oh man, this is awesome. And you don't even have time to kind of get over that mindset shift while you're working a, a nine to five, because that's all you have time to do. So once you're able to step away from that a little bit and put more of your, you know, your silent thoughts to entrepreneurship and, and how you can grow your business, it, it just makes a big difference. I think there's no turning back. Once you get a taste of that freedom and your confidence is built because you've built a successful business, 
you sort of have that unstoppable feeling, you know, now you might start another business and be humbled a little bit by, you know, the things that you don't know, but that's just all part of the growth, right? Like every business owner knows that failing forward is part of it. You can't know everything and experience is the only real teacher in life. And so you have to be willing to put yourself in the arena and fail a little bit and see what's what's going to go wrong and how to make it right in order to then make it right and go on to become successful, right? Yeah, yeah. What, what do you think separates the people that, you know, they, they give you a call and they uh, get a consultation and they seem all like, jacked up and we're going to, we're going to buy a franchise and they never take that step, that next step to, you know, buy the franchise, start a business, they get stuck in their nine to five and ultimately they're unfulfilled in their life. What, what separates that person from the person who takes the action and, and succeeds? That's an amazing question and a very simple answer. The difference between those who do and those who don't is why just like when I was a personal trainer, right? The person who comes in after having a heart attack, who the doctor has said, if you don't change your lifestyle habits, you are going to die, is the person that's going to commit and follow through to that exercise plan compared to the person who's just there, yeah, you know, to, for vanity reasons or to lose a little bit of weight, but has no real, you know, time frame or motivator behind that. It always comes back to a, a strong, powerful why. So. Again, when we start talking about the vision of your future and we're outlining like, where do you want to end up? And I'm asking why, why do you want to get there? The more clearly people can communicate to me why they want to get there. Really what they're doing to themselves is building their own confidence that they'll be able to push through and do this. And having done this for many, many years, um, I'm very, I have very, very few people that I invest time with. My process is about one to two months long to get people to a yes, but it's only about one to two weeks long to get them to a no. So the vast majority of people that I work with go on to become business owners. And Seth, it's due to the question that you just asked me because it becomes very clear to them, not to me. I'm not here to play God. I'm not going to tell you this isn't the right thing for you, but people figure it out very quickly. If they don't have that strong, powerful, motivating why, my process will naturally show them that and they'll weed themselves out. Yeah, it's so important, right? You've got to take the time to ask those questions and get that mindset correct and, and your goals aligned to figure out what your why is before you start any venture. Or if it when it gets difficult, you're just going to stop. You're going to quit. You're never going to get started. Totally. And owning a business, I mean, I don't care how, how proven the franchise is. If this is your first time doing it, it's going to be a little hard. Like you have, you have your own learning curve. The only way you can learn is to get in there and do it right. Like I, I, the best example I can think of is like, I can teach you through video, how to ride a bike. I can show you the fundamentals of pedaling, but until you sit on a bike and feel what it feels like to balance that bike, you can't really understand what it's like to ride a bike. Right? So a franchisor can take you to McDonald university, right? But until you open your store and are making your own hamburgers, you really can't understand how it's going to go. So and franchise owners are the biggest variable in the success of their business, right? So that's a myth that people think like, oh, well, you know, they want to turn to the earnings claim of the franchise or, you know, what's the average performance of a franchise and they want the franchisor to tell them how successful they're going to be. And this is another reason I have a business to help people understand that that's totally not the way to go about this because 
Nobody can ever tell you how much money you are going to make. You are the one that's going to tell yourself how much money you're going to make. And that the money you're going to make is going to be directly tied to your why. It's going to be tied to how motivated you are to push through when it is hard, to push through and to strive for those goals that you have. If they're just weak goals, probably not going to be very motivated. Right. But if you're passionate about those goals, you're probably going to be pretty motivated. Right. All right. Kim, before we jump into the Freedom Four, one last golden nugget for our listeners. Golden nugget about franchising? Sure. Or life. <laughs> um, well, okay. One little golden nugget. I'll say, um, yeah, if you take one thing away from me today about franchising, the number one reason to invest in a franchise is for people. If you want to be an entrepreneur, you can go do it all by yourself. But if you want to be in a franchise, you are investigating a business and you should be infinitely more interested in the leadership, the culture, and their vision than in the widget or the brand because the widget and the brand will change over time, right? They'll have to keep growing and adapting to the market and the consumer. And if the leadership behind those widgets and brands doesn't have a vision or doesn't have the financial resources or doesn't have the experience, then the widget and the brand are no good. So ultimately, the best golden nugget I can tell anybody about franchising is, please take your focus off of buying brands and widgets and focus on people. Love it. Love it. All right. Let's jump into the Freedom Four. It's time for the Freedom Four. What's the best thing you do to keep your mind and body healthy? The best thing I do to keep my mind and body happy? Sleep. <laughs> I mean, you got to eat good. You got to work out. You got to feel strong, but you got to sleep. Sleeping stops the momentum of our minds and our bodies and enables us to replenish. And, you know, our subconscious mind um, is powered by our conscious, you know, that it powers our dreams and our ability to create anything in life is through our subconscious. And our subconscious only comes alive when we're asleep, right? And just filtering all of the emotions and thoughts from the day. And that's so even be even more important than sleep may be the quality of your thoughts. Yeah. Sadly, I think you're the first person that said that, which is insane. I think it's maybe because there's so many people that come on and they have a million things going on. So they don't have time for sleep, but I preach the same message. I mean, I don't even, I'm not getting up at four 30 in the morning every day. Whenever I go to sleep, I set my alarm for seven hours from that time that I lay down to make sure that I get enough sleep. Yeah, I love sleep. Sleep is very important. <laughs> With all your success, what is one limiting belief that you've crushed along the way and how did you get past it? One limiting belief. So, all right, I, I'm a pretty big thinker. Like I'm a very positive person if you haven't already figured that out. Um, okay, so one limiting belief. So again, when I was young, I was in the Miss America pageant organization and I became at, from New Hampshire, a state that never makes the top 10 in any national pageant. I was first runner up Miss National Teenager 1988. Oh, yeah, baby, I crushed that limiting belief. New Hampshire, I put New Hampshire on the map. <laughs> nice, <laughs> I love it, I love it. What's one actionable step our listeners can do right now to start creating more freedom? Have goals, like get clear about what you want to achieve in this life, right? If you're not clear about it, it's not happening. But the minute you get clear, it's amazing when you get clear and specific what the universe will deliver to you. Boom. 
how has passive income made your life better? Passive income makes everybody's life better because you don't have to get up and work for it, right? That's the true definition <laughs> of freedom, right? So uh, passive income, that's my answer. Passive income is what we're all seeking eventually, but sometimes you have to be willing to roll up your sleeves and get in the game and learn it and before you can step away from a business. And then, like we said, other times there are franchise businesses where they allow you, if you have enough financial resources to afford those businesses, they allow you or afford you the opportunity to work on it rather than in it, even from day one. Yeah. It's never completely passive. It's, it's always on a gradient scale. And sometimes you got to put a little work in the beginning and then it becomes more and more passive over time. Yeah, exactly. Kim, it's been awesome having you on the show. Where can our listeners find out more about you? The best place to go is kimdaily.tv. Uh, my YouTube channel is just the one of the greatest things I've ever done. I'm just having so much fun being creative and coming up with great content for people to really educate and inspire people about franchising. So that's the best place, but you can also visit my website at thedailycoach.com and that's D-A-L-Y, thedailycoach.com. Thanks, Kim. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Seth. It's so fun to finally meet you. I, I'm so happy to be here. Ladies and gentlemen, Kim Daly, fantastic energy and one of the best in the world at matching someone like yourself or someone like me to the perfect franchise business. Take advantage of her endless industry knowledge and book a call with her. I'm personally working with Kim right now to find my next franchise investment opportunity. Major key, franchising may be something you've never considered or even thought about, but for the busy professional, buying into a franchise could provide the shortcut that you need to launch a new business rather than trying to put everything together yourself from scratch, which between the billable hours, the needy clients and family obligations that I know about firsthand, and I know that you don't have time for, franchising just might be your golden ticket out of the rat race. All right, if you're ready for a change or ready to take action, give Kim a call um, and also partner with us on our next passive real estate deal. Go to passiveincomeattorney.com and join our Esquire Passive Investor Club. All right, until next time, folks, enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast with Seth Bradley. Do you want more ideas on how to generate multiple streams of passive income? Then jump over to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com for show notes and resources. Then apply for the private Facebook community by searching for the Passive Income Attorney on Facebook. And we'll see you on the next episode.